0: week's Adam Schefter podcast, we will talk about great players, past and present. Past with the president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, David Baker, who's become a larger than life figure these last couple of weeks by personally delivering the messages to Bill Cower at CBS and Jimmy Johnson at Fox that they were being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the office that he's the president of. And... We'll talk about this week's top prospects in the Reese's Senior Bowl with the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy, who's got some thoughts on the upcoming quarterbacks in this game and this year's quarterback class. And if you're looking for more coverage of the draft, check out... Our first draft podcast with Mel Kiper Jr. and Todd McShay, as they have all you need to know about the NFL draft. Download and subscribe to First Draft Podcast and the Adam Schefter Podcast on Apple Podcast, Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. But before we get to David Baker and Jim Nagy, first a word from Vivid Seats. We all love a night out, whether it's seeing our favorite band in person or being there in the crowd to cheer on our favorite team. With the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program, you can attend the concert or show of your choice and earn credit towards your next live event. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice, all in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. All you need to do is use the Vivid Seats app to purchase tickets and start earning today. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more Vivid Seats has it all Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event Enter promo code ESPN25 for 10% off your next order ESPN25 for 10% off And now we go to the President of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, David Baker (laughs) Joining us now, the Pro Football Hall of Fame president, David Baker, a man who in the last couple of weeks has burst onto the national scene and emerged as a presence that I think some people were surprised to see. David, thank you for the time. Appreciate it. And you got to tell me, what was it like to make Bill Cowher and Jimmy Johnson both cry?
1: (laughs) You know, I got a call from Jimmy the other day, and he said, you know, you made me cry in front of 38 million people. (laughs) But, uh, you know, what I was excited about, Adam, is that, you know, uh, fans everywhere got the opportunity to really witness firsthand for themselves something I've seen a lot of times when I've knocked on the doors. How much the game means to these guys and, you know, what it's like for them when they get that message. Um, You know, both of those guys are, are pretty powerful guys, they're not criers. Uh, Bill Cower, in particular, I think is a very private guy, and you know other than his intensity of competition he does 't like sharing a whole lot of emotions, uh, but I think fans everywhere got to see what it meant to them i mean you know for, for, you know and, and all I really do is thank them for all they 've done for the game. I welcome them to Canton, Ohio, and let them know that the Pro Football Hall of Fame will protect their legacy forever and in that moment. Uh, I think what you could see and all fans could see is, you know, there's a a series of flashes that flood through them. It's not about Super Bowl wins or or the Lombardi Trophy or records. Uh, At at that moment, it's about uh, their mom that drove them to practice when they're 10 years old. It's about the dad that challenged them or, or convinced them not to quit or the coach, you know, that inspired them, their teammates that helped them get there. And I've seen it over and over again where it's difficult a little bit for them to speak sometimes because they're trying to process all that at once. It's about their journey and not necessarily just the good times, the adversity that they had to overcome. And uh, I was just pleased, uh, you know, that all America got to see what it meant to those guys in particular. But that's not, you know, unique. I mean, I've seen it in... Jerry Kramer, who waited for 45 years to get into the Hall of Fame, or or Randy Moss, uh, who made it in his first year, but kind of started out exuberant, but then started to tear up uh, because of all these same things. Uh, It's really, you know, I I think it's all about the game, and it's all about the journeys that these guys have made to get to Canton, Ohio. So basically,
0: when you see Jimmy Johnson and Bill Cowell break down and cry in front of you, That's something that you've seen before every time that you've delivered the message to the man that he's been chosen for the Pro Football Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say every time, but I would say darn near close. Yeah. Uh, Again, I think it's about their journey and, and, uh, you know, the the people that they made that journey with. Uh, There's a wonderful story that Bill Pullian says, our Hall of Fame general manager, uh, you know, who said he was, you know at, in Canton and he there were so many players who came to celebrate his induction into the Hall of Fame and, and he turned to one of the players and he said man thank you so much for coming and, and he said uh, the player said back to him he says are you kidding thank you so much for getting us all here i yeah. i i think there's a lot of people who feel vested in their journey i mean you know on both sets when you looked around uh guys were we're cheering, screaming, yelling. Uh, on the Fox set, there were a lot of people crying. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and they're cameramen and sound guys. And, and, and um, I think it's something that a lot of people can identify with. But I've had the privilege of knocking about probably on about 60 doors and, and um, welcoming guys into the Hall of Fame. And everybody wants to be recognized, everybody wants to know that they matter and that their legacy is going to be remembered.
0: You mentioned the 60 Doors. Is there one in particular that stayed with you? Because that's a moment that these men will always remember for the rest of their life. But is there one that just left its imprint on you?
1: You know, Adam, I, forgive me, but I think everyone has left a, an imprint on me. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, I think a lot of Randy Moss, to be honest with you. Uh, Randy was a guy who had a lot of emotional journeys in, in his career, but you know, kind of when he came to the door, uh, he, he was celebratory. But then he pretty quickly started to cry, and, and he's a very private guy. I don't know that people really understand that. Um, but I, I saw him kind of mature right before my eyes. You know, he he takes care of his brother's kids, and he, he's you know that one touched me. Uh, there were, uh, you know, uh, like I said, Jerry Kramer was pretty special. Uh, Kurt Warner was special because I've been the Commissioner of the Arena Football League. Um, Jerry Jones, you know, has eight million dollars, but when you knock on his door, uh, it was something that money can't buy. And all his family is crying. Um, One of the interesting ones for me, Adam, uh, frankly, was Brett Favre. Um, You know, on that day, it took 10 hours to select the class. It only took 10 seconds to select Brett Favre. He knew I was going to knock on his door. I knew I was going to knock on his door. But when I told him at the time that he was one of the 302 best players, coaches, and contributors to ever play this game, he kind of put his hands in his pocket and he bowed his head, kind of like a, a, a humble kid would do, because I think he knew the shoulders he was standing upon. And then we take him over to the honor show, and our Hall of Famers walk up on stage and welcome them into the club. And afterwards, there's a press conference, and he happened to be next to me, and I said, uh, How you doing? And he said, Are you kidding? I just shook the hand of Roger Staubach, <laughs> and I said I thought they would have played golf or known each other and met along the way, and he said, no, you don't understand. All my life, I dreamed of being Roger Staubach, wow. and he said, hey, now, I guess I'm on his team, right? And I said, you are forever.
0: Yeah, they're, they're teammates forever. That's exactly What does it mean to you, David, to deliver this message personally to you about these guys? getting put into the Pro Football Hall of Fame on a day they'll never forget. It's like the single most emotional moment of their professional careers, and you get to give the news to them and have done this 60 times, and we'll do it more a week from Sunday or a week from Saturday in the new Pro Football Hall
1: of Fame class. Adam, I got the greatest job in the world, and I wish every fan could do it. And that's why we tried to do it on national TV. It wasn't about me and uh, you know uh, it's about delivering the message and getting out of the way and see what's how much it means to these guys uh, but but I will tell you for me I feel fortunate to serve in this capacity um i i i've had the opportunity to go know the greatest players in history and we all think that they fell out of bed great and i'm here to tell you not one of them did they worked their butt off they 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 fought through all kinds of problems uh and they they it's not about the worship of the football hero. it's really about the values the the commitment, the integrity, the courage, the respect, the perseverance that they fought through things to drag a whole lot of people to excellence with them and, and, and that's pretty special and for me, uh you know what I'd like to think when my mom and dad could not read or write, uh, I've got a sister who's twelve years older than me and Uh, If it hadn't been for sports, I wouldn't have gone to college, wouldn't have gone to law school, and certainly wouldn't be talking to, uh, you know, somebody as powerful as you here. Um, But I think that sports, you know, taught me, and it teaches all of us these values. Uh, You know, when I had crisis in my own life, I didn't go to my chemistry teacher or my calculus teacher. I went back to my coach because that was the guy that taught me how to get up when I got knocked down or how to keep going when I can't go on any longer. And and I think that's what sports teaches. It's not just entertainment, and it's not just about the money. Man, there's a lot of courage involved. And and that courage and these values will not only get you a bronze bust in Canton, Ohio, um, but it'll make you a, a better father. Uh, or, or a better professional, or a better mother, or a better community, and I believe they have already made us a better country. And, and so, you know, we we kind of call it the Church of Football. Yep. Uh, our our mission is to honor the heroes of the game, to preserve its history, promote its values, and celebrate excellence everywhere. But uh, this is something that, you know we, we were doing the um, uh, the NFL Network show the other day and revealing the Centennial Class. Yes. And at a break, the producer came in, and he goes, Man, this makes me want to be a better producer. Wow. And, and that's what, to me, the Hall of Fame is all about.
0: I put together one point, the speeches of the inductees for a, for a book called The Class of Football. And the book didn't sell that well, and that's fine. I didn't do it to make money, but I had the privilege and honor to read through all the speeches that every Hall of Fame inductee made, and I don't think it was as big a deal to make that speech 20 years ago, as it is today. But the messages that they all delivered all carried one of perseverance, of attitude, of hard work, of all family value, of all these things that I think are so important for everybody. And that is, I think, some of the values that you're talking about. And I think sometimes, as you mentioned, people forget that sometimes these people, these men had to forge their own paths. Who's one guy? that stood out to you for the journey that he has taken to get to Ken?
1: Well, again, Adam, that's like asking me which of my children are my favorite. Yeah. You, you know, I, I mean, Ladanian Tomlinson, for his message of inclusion, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, talking about Team american that all of America of different races, of different religions, of, you know, d- different perspectives, you know, coming together. Uh, You you know, I I have yet to find anything in a huddle uh, about, you know, where somebody said, hey, before we call this play, are you a Republican or a Democrat? Yeah. Uh, You know, I mean, it's all about the team, and it's all about moving forward. And, you know, let me tell you, your best-selling book was about your family. And, 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 you know, the family is the greatest team that any of us will play on. And and so it's not just about the guys who make the money or who can run a 4-3, um, this game teaches enormously good ne- lessons for the guys who play it, for those who watch it. Um, but it is for for firemen, for teachers, for preachers, for soldiers. <laughs> and, and and you know it's interesting because we transcribe all those speeches yep. uh, so that people like you can look through them and have them for history. You know, the, every year that I've been here, the number one word that is said more often in all the speeches is love. Yeah, and and it, it, I think these guys feel that in the locker room for their teammates, for the game, for their family. And, and so there's great messages in this, and that's why it's such a fun job. That's why it's fun to knock on their door and, and give them this news uh, is because it's it's a very deep feeling, uh, you know, a special moment. Yeah,
0: And I know you don't do it for this, David. But because it was on two national pregame shows before two playoff games, how much have people come up to you and recognize you from being the man that basically tapped Bill Cowher and Jimmy Johnson to let them know that they were being inducted into the halls of Ken?
1: Yeah, it's created a bit of a problem, Adam, because let me tell you, if I drive through Wendy's to get a cheeseburger and I go to the door to pay for it, they go, hey, am I in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> and and, and that's pretty funny when you hear it the first time, but I've already heard it about a thousand times. But you didn't get um, it before. But again, yet, but
0: did you get it before, or it's just because of what happened in the last couple of weeks?
1: Oh, I got it before, but I think it's accelerated quite a bit when you're in front of 70 million people. And uh, again, what I really want to say, though, it's not about me. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a carrier pigeon could deliver this message, but it is about these guys and their journeys. And, and what's so cool is it's not just them, it's what we can all learn from it. And, and to me, that's why you know, I, I know a lot of what you do is talking about trades or other stuff, but I think we watch it like some great Shakespearean play uh, because in every game there is uh, a, a tragedy, a fall from grace, there's redemption, and there's resurrection. And, and, and we're on the edge of our seats. You know, I, I happen to, um, Sean McManus was very kind, who you, you know is the president of CBS Sports, he said, you know, that was one of the coolest moments in the history of CBS Sports. Um, but I hit him back and said, y- you know, your dad, Jim McKay, who every week used to say uh, the th- on Wide World of Sports, the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat, and if you remember what was next, it was the human drama yeah. of competition. A- and-, and there is so much drama in everything that is done. A- and and, it, listen, these guys, uh, you know, at every enshrinement, we invite recipients of the Congressional Medal of Honor. And um, when I introduce them, all my Hall of Famers are on their feet because they know who the real heroes are. But, you know, these recipients of the Congressional Medal of Honor, uh, one guy, Leroy Petrie, all he wants to do is meet Troy Aikman and Emmitt Smith and Michael Irvin because he's a huge Dallas Cowboy fan. Yep. Um, but it's it's not dying in battle or anything else, but it is on a national stage uh, with people like you covering it. It's it's kind of uh, you know being out there, and it's putting yourself out there, and so we get to see their successes and failures. And again, every one of them yeah. has you know has had to overcome something.
0: You bring that up, and you say. Adam, you know, yes, my job in many ways is to be transactional, cover trades and firings and hirings and contract extensions and all that. But I, I do think, to your point, that the stories that touch the people the most, move the people the most, and really generate the most reaction, oftentimes are the ones that people can identify with. Like, say, Devin Still, the former Bengals lineman, who is bringing along his daughter Leah when she's fighting cancer, or Steve Gleason. Yeah. And his battle with ALS. People, people want to feel good, and they want to cheer for the people who are facing some hardships. and And those are the kinds of stories that I think resonate. Not just those other stories. And to your point, again, all these guys come from something like that. There's a human side to them that I think people lose sight of because they're Hall of Famers.
1: Yeah, and, and again, I've had the opportunities to talk to them. I mean, I, I you know we've taken a couple of different groups to uh, to Israel. Uh, We had another group that uh, went to see the Pope at the Vatican in a private audience. Uh, And and the Pope doesn't know the difference between Jerry Jones and Jerry Rice. But I tell you, he knows what that gold jacket stands for. And and he knows in in his own mind what they had to do to get it. And he knows how sports brings people together. And, and, uh, you know, when when people send information to you first that's confidential that nobody else has, uh, you know, I, like most fans, have thought about that. I think they do that because they trust you, and, and trust has to be built up over a long time. And if you saw these two teams that played last night and are going to be in the Super Bowl, I guarantee you that trust is a central part of what they have to do to perform well. So we don't necessarily think of trust when we're watching a ball game, or love when we're watching a ball game, or or, or commitment or, or perseverance, but all those things are present. And um, and they are very valuable things in our own families, in our own companies, in our own communities, and in our country.
0: Now, I talked about that added exposure for you, which you'd rather not get, but you have now. How much of that is because you're six foot nine, four hundred pounds?
1: Well, and I want you to know, Adam, that the camera adds five pounds. So <laughs> when I'm on TV, it's like four hundred five pounds. Okay. Yep. But but. Uh, you know, I I, I think that, uh, you know, what we've seen in sports is that it's great to be big, it's great to be strong, it's great to be fast, but, you know, what's really great is somebody with heart. And, and I rep- get to represent the heart of 326 guys who have a bronze bust here that's going to last 40,000 years. And, and so... I hope that it's about having my heart in the right place and serving these guys, serving the game, serving fans. Uh, you know, we, we kind of like to talk about the Pro Football Hall of Fame as the most inspirational place on earth. If Walt Disney had the happiest place on earth, we've got the most inspirational place on earth. Because when I came from uh, Newport Beach, Irvine, uh, I had no idea how cold it was going to be. And I'll tell you, Adam, on a day like today, it's cold. <laughs> but... Uh, but But I didn't have any idea how often, uh, pretty much every day, believe it or not, we have somebody who's terminally ill and and a big bucket list item for them is to go through the Pro Football Hall of Fame before they die. Mm. And and I started looking at why is that? Um, And and I think it's because football is about family and it's about huddling up. And they've seen, whether it's Aaron Rodgers or... or, uh, Roger Staubach, they've seen somebody throw a Hail Mary and make a miracle at the last moment. And and so they they understand that there's hope. And, um, you know, to me, it's it's pretty special. You know, what was interesting by the way, again, I'll give you one other thing that's related to this. Uh, We take it real seriously about selecting this class and how we do it. And there's always controversy. It should be hard to make it to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, And and there's going to be some guys who come close and uh, and it's going to be hard. But we had a 25-member Blue Ribbon committee that was made up of half of our selectors, six uh, football professionals like uh, John Madden, Coach Belichick, uh, Ron Wolf, um, uh, Bill Polian, I think Ozzie Newsome, Gil Brandt, and, and then a number of historians. And these guys spent about 20 hours together and then a lot more time individually. And I couldn't believe how many of these guys... Said afterwards, "Hey, that's the experience of my professional life, my professional career. Uh, to be here at the hall, to be selecting this centennial class, uh, to be with these people doing this, and um, it, it, it's it's real special. I, I, I am I, I am the luckiest guy on the face of the earth uh, to be doing what I'm doing for the reasons we're doing it."
0: Well, I mean this when I say this: the hall and the NFL are very lucky to have you in that role as president because there is nobody that does a better job representing the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I'm not just saying that. I really mean that. Uh, you are tremendous. I, I think back to so many examples. The night we were at the Pro Football Hall of Fame and they couldn't play the football game that Sunday night because of the condition of the field. And you went out there and stood and answered the questions about the condition of the field and the way you did it, the professionalism with which you did it was incredible. Uh, the way you talk about the Hall now and the men in it, is tremendous, and, and again, it's an honor to uh, be able to have you on this podcast so that the listeners could hear you and how much it means to you, and like I said, the NFL and the Pro Football team are very lucky to have you in that role, David.
1: Well, Adam, you know that um, uh, that means a lot to me coming from someone who I respect as much as you, and you're a good man, uh, but the game and sports has lot done a lot for me and my family, and it's, it's not just you know, the money we make doing the job or the fact that my son played in the league. Um, you know, these lessons and the coaches that have, have poured into our lives have, um, you know, I, I know in my own life it's helped me succeed, but it's also helped me survive when I needed, you know, uh, you know a, a way that I was sinking and I didn't think I was going to make it. And, and um, that to me is is a pretty cool place to be. Uh, these are great values it's a, it's an honor to be here uh, i'm lucky to serve
0: when was it that you didn't think you were going to be able to make
1: it? Oh I think that you know there have been some times in my life where uh like all of us i have made some mistakes yep. you know you know early in my career when I was in politics uh you know i i you know, i've gone through a divorce um And then when I kind of went through life and got through that, I kind of learned that I'm no different, that everybody's got problems that they got to get overcome. And how do you do it? You know, you do it with your faith, you do it with your values, you do it with your friends. And um, if you're lucky, you might end up stronger than you were before. And so I know in my life, um, I'm thankful for the mistakes that happened and for the, the, the problems that occurred. Um, because they have allowed me to believe so deeply in what I believe now, and, and you know that you know uh, the first part of being on any team or doing any job well is really believing in it. And um, you know we believe in this. We believe in this mission uh, in, in a big way.
0: And you do a great job doing that. Before I let you go, David, uh, you'll make an announcement here. Like I said, a week from Saturday, the. Uh, Hall of Fame class for 2020 has been whittled down to 15 names. I think it's Steve Atwater, Tony Baselli, Isaac Bruce, Leroy Butler, Alan Fanica, Torrey Holt, Steve Hutchinson, Edron James, John Lynch, Sam Mills, Troy Polamala, Richard Seymour, Zach Thomas, Reggie Wayne, Bryant Young. I noticed the John Lynch name. I can't tell you how many times we see a team in the game with a representative up for the Hall of Fame, and somehow it turns into some magical weekend for that particular gentleman, that organization. Am I imagining that there's a tie here usually between the Hall of Fame and somebody that's uh, playing in the game, involved in the game? It seems to happen quite a bit.
1: It's kind of interesting. Brian Dawkins gets in the first time when the Philadelphia wins. There you go. And, and, you know, know, that stuff happens. Um, But I, I would tell you, you know, what people don't understand is on, you know, before we knock on the door, we have to call the guys who didn't make it. And let them know that maybe next year we'll call them with better news, mm. uh, because we want to—you know—we we we don't want to um, disappoint them by not making it, but we certainly don't want to disrespect them by having somebody celebrate and cheer right next to them while they didn't make it. And and, and you know I, I've had the privilege of calling John a couple times because he didn't make it, yep. and uh, Jeff Legwald from ESPN, who uh, I guess is out of Denver, he once stood up in a meeting. And said that he hopes he lives long enough for the hall to elect a safety. (laughs) And, and, uh, but since we elected Kenny Easley, we've had Brian Dawkins, we've had Eddie Reed, now we've got, uh, Steve Atwater, John Lynch, uh, Troy Palomalo, a lot of safeties that are, you know, that are either in or, you know, likely to be in at some point in time. But it's, it's a hard choice. And I'll tell you, these selectors take it very, very seriously. And, um, I think this is going to be a real fun Super Bowl, uh, you know. As you know, whether it's Andy Reid and Mahomes or or, or John Lynch and uh, Garoppolo, I mean, it's 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 going to be cool. And I do know that we're going to have a significant class to announce on the Honor Show, in addition to the fifteen we've already announced.
0: And you again, we have focused in on you giving the good news to the sixty or so individuals that you have. How hard is it for you to call somebody like a John Lynch when they don't make the Pro Football Hall of Fame to give them the bad news?
1: Well, it, it, it's not easy, I'll tell you, because you know we, we do our best to honor the finalists as well. If you're a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, understand there have probably been 330 million young men and now women that have played this game. There's only 5 million that have played it in college. There's only um, 29,000 who have ever been paid to play it, coach it, or officiate it in the National Football League. And there's only 326 right now who have a bronze bust in the Hall of Fame, of which we'll add 20 to that. Uh, of which 181 are living. You know, we call them gold jackets, living Hall of Famers. And, and, and so it's incredibly elite. Now, if you are a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, you're probably in the top 800 uh, of all the guys that have ever. Uh, play the game, so it's a significantly elite company, but they also happen to be in the most competitive guys in the world. <laughs> and so for them, uh, it, it's I think they appreciate the honor. Uh, they're always gracious, uh, but it's a disappointment. And um, you know, it, it would be easy. I would love to have them all be in, but making the Hall of Fame should be hard, and it should be special, and it should be elite.
0: Hey, David, I really want to thank you very much for the time today. We'll look forward to seeing you in Miami. We'll look forward to seeing who the class of 2020 is, the full entire class. And again, congratulations on all the great work that you do on behalf of the Pro Football Hall of Fame.
1: Adam, thank you. Hope to see you here for the centennial celebration of the NFL, and thank you for all you do for the game.
0: There's the president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, David Baker. Before we get to the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy, first a word. From ZipRecruiter, it's a new year, the perfect opportunity to take your business to the next level by hiring the right people. But finding qualified candidates can be challenging. ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP makes it easy. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And now, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy. And this has to be your single busiest week of the year with the Senior Bowl being played this weekend. Thank you very much in advance for your time.
2: Oh, Adam, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's a busy week, but it's, it's such a, it's such an awesome experience, such a great time. We, You, know, you work all year trying to uh, you know recruit these players and evaluate these players and, and to get them here. Uh, yesterday's like Christmas morning to see all those guys get off the bus at the hotel and all show up, uh, you know, and get boots on the ground here in Mobile. It's uh, it's a really exciting time. We're going to have a great week.
0: Who are some guys that you expect to pop during the week and during the Senior Bowl who are going to get fans' attention during the process leading up to the NFL draft in April?
2: Yeah, you know, I think there's a lot of guys that are, that are going to do that, Adam. But I would start with uh, the quarterback from Utah State, Jordan Love. Uh, he was a guy over the summer that that we had a first round grade on. I uh, saw him at the Manning camp and, and got the good news there that he was a he was going to be a redshirt uh, junior graduate. So he's going to have his diploma. He could play in our game. Um, that's the only stipulation. And the league had first round grades on him too. He's he's a really talented, uh, really natural thrower. Uh, but they had a coaching change there at, at Utah State this offseason, and Gary Anderson. Those guys are a great staff. But I think that the you know just the change in scheme. I think Jordan might have been feeling the expectation level a little bit. I think he might have saw some of that first-round stuff. And and, and you could see he just was never comfortable. He seemed like he was pressing a little bit this year. And, you know, it's very similar to when Josh Allen was was coming out of Wyoming. Uh, You know, he statistically didn't have a great last year there at Wyoming. He lost some NFL-skilled players from the year before. And he comes down here to Mobile and has a a great week and kind of resurrects his uh, draft stock and ends up going seventh overall. So, I don't know if Jordan will climb all the way back up there, but I do think he's going to have a big week, and I think that uh, he's a guy that could get in the first round. And then, you know, our week's always big for small school players as well. So, I, I you know, to, at the top of that list, I would I would start talking about Kyle Duggar, who's a safety from Lenore Rhine in North Carolina, uh, really the top small school guy in the country. He's six two, he's two hundred twenty two pounds. He ran four four one last spring for the NFL scouts. And he really is a man amongst boys at, at the division two level uh, to the point where he's hard to evaluate for the scouts. Cause he's, you know, he's just so much better than the, the players he's playing against. So this is a huge week for Kyle to come down and, and be on the same field as, you know, the best players from around the country. And again, I think that he's that hybrid type safety linebacker that the NFL is looking for right now. And, and uh, I would be surprised if he doesn't end up somewhere in the second round come April.
0: Hmm. Would you say you have a pretty good idea when this process ends and your players come to the Senior Bowl to play in the recent Senior Bowl that you have a good sense of where these guys will wind up going in the draft?
2: Yeah, you, you do. This 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 week really kind of crystallizes it for me. You know, there's obviously the, uh, the combine and, and pro days are, are also parts of the process, but you know, my time in the NFL. Looking back on it, uh, you know, a lot of times that the teams I was with missed on players, and we really, I think, we overvalued uh, the parts of the process where these guys were in shorts, and t-shirts, rather than, rather than pads and helmets. And I, I think the league is, is starting to understand that too. So they're putting a lot of, a lot of emphasis on our game, which is, which is great for us. You know, coming last year, we had 10 first-round picks in the game. I think going into the week, there was probably only two or three of those guys. Maybe wow. would have been first-round picks, um, and the other six or seven or eight probably played their way in. So, you know, we we feel really good about uh, this year's crew and where we're at going into the week. But it, it, it'll shake down really between Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, um, and then and then in the game with with like Daniel Jones last year, for instance, had a great game, and that's where Giants GM Dave Gettleman said he fell in love with Daniel. So it does. It really it really comes together this week.
0: Who are the quarterbacks on the North and South teams this year other than Jordan Love, Jim?
2: Uh, yeah, the, the North team has Shea Patterson from Michigan, so he's the guy that that really played his way into the game that, that last month of the year. Uh, probably played, you know, definitely played his best football. He's a guy that had four different coordinators over his time at Ole Miss and Michigan, and really, finally, the, the final month of November down the stretch, you know, he threw for 1,000 yards in his last three games. He, he really played his way in. He's, he's got playmaking ability he can get outside the pocket and he he makes a lot of those uh, not saying he's Patrick Mahomes but he makes a lot of those you know improvised uh, different arm angle throws so Shay's one uh, Anthony Gordon from from Washington state is another guy that looking back on last year he got beat out by Gardner Minshew at uh, Washington State in August of 18 and and now in hindsight and looking how Gardner played this year for the Jags and was the highest-rated rookie quarterback that that really wasn't a really wasn't an indictment on on Anthony Gordon. Um, so excited about him, and then, you know, and then on the, a couple more guys on the South Squad. Uh, Jalen Hurts has been a big draw for us locally here. He's you know the Heisman runner-up at Oklahoma, but he did so many great things on the field in Tuscaloosa for the Crimson Tide and. How he handled being demoted, uh, you know, behind Tua, his uh, his last year there, and, and to come off the bench in the SEC championship game, he's really endeared himself to to the to the local fans down here. So he's going to be a big draw. Jalen's really come a long way as a passer. So I think he, he I think a lot of teams see him in the Dak Prescott area uh, when Dak was coming out of Mississippi State. I think there's a lot of comparisons there, and then really the the headliner probably for the game this year. At any position would be Justin Herbert, the Rose Bowl MVP from Oregon. You know, Justin's got all the tools. He's a big guy with a great, great mind. He's a four-point student with uh, some biology degree. <laughs> you know, I think Justin wants to be a doctor when he's done playing. But you know, he's got a, and he's got a cannon for an arm. So he's a guy that I think his best football is still in, uh, in front of him. I think the teams feel that as well. He's a guy that hasn't been overly coached over his career. So I think there's a lot of things that Justin could clean up just with some tweaks in his mechanics that could really make him take the next, the next jump. And, and he will be, we've had four top 10 quarterbacks in the last three years in the game with uh, going back to Carson Wentz and then Dak, uh, I'm sorry, Baker Mayfield and then Josh Allen. And then of course last year, Daniel Jones, so he will. I think Justin will give us our, our fifth top ten guy in the last four years. So you think Justin Herbert will be a top ten pick? I do. I really do. The, you know, the teams are always looking for things they can't coach, and you can't coach his size and athleticism and arm strength and, and intelligence. And and I do. I think, like I said, his his best football is still out in front of him. Most quarterbacks these days are, are getting personal quarterback tutors from the time they're in middle school, and Justin's never really had that. So that was really the buzz among the coaches at the at the Manning camp this summer was they, there was, they couldn't believe you know what this guy has out in front of him because he is there is still some rawness to him for as much football as he played at Oregon. there, there is still some rawness there.
0: Jim, where would you foresee Jalen Hurts going in the draft?
2: That's going to be very interesting, Adam. I I think he's probably in that third, fourth round area right now. Again, I I brought up the name Dak Prescott, and, and coming into the week, I think that you know Dak was more, you know, in the fourth, fifth, but Jalen's somewhere in a similar area. And what Dak did down here, he really won over uh, the teams with, with his with his personality. And that year, Dallas was actually coaching the other squad down here in the game. They didn't have Dak on their team. But they do they do get a lot of interaction with these players behind the scenes, even if they're not on their team. So every day at training table, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, they're eating with these players. Um, they do get an opportunity to, to cross train and, and cross mix with with the other team in meetings. Um, and, and they fell in love with Dak Dak down here. So Jalen's going to be the same thing. You know, Jalen's got a great got great leadership capabilities, and and I think that when the team spend more time around Jalen, um, that's going to help him. And then I think on the field. You know the great thing is the NFL is more open-minded now than they've ever been. You see, you see what the Saints have done with Taysom Hill and and what Baltimore's done with Lamar Jackson. And, and I don't think that Jalen's you know either one of those guys per se, uh, but he does bring a lot of different things to the table athletically. That if he doesn't you know, get drafted to be a starter, I think that some team uh, you know that's open-minded can can get a lot out of Jalen in maybe a different role.
0: Now you do have the Bengals and the Lions coaching each of the two teams this year the coaching staffs from those respective organizations what kind of advantage do you think the Cincinnati Bengals and Detroit Lions get out of that Jim
2: you know I think it's a tremendous advantage Adam you know again just the behind the scenes stuff that the other teams don't get um, being in the meeting rooms with these guys showing you know seeing who shows up late who pays attention and not only can they learn but but how do they learn and how do they apply coaching on the field so you know if you're if they're if you're in the middle of an offensive line, defensive line uh, pass rush drill, those players always go take two reps back to back. and say a player gets beat and a coach a coach tries to step in and, and you know provide a coaching point, you want to see if those guys can take that coaching point right away and apply it. you, you see which guys can get over you know mentally, have the mental toughness to get over getting beat. Um, so yeah, there, there's so much behind the scenes stuff and, and on the field and in the meeting rooms. And you just look back to last year, uh, when the 49ers came down here, and they walked away from this game with Debo Samuel, the wide receiver from South Carolina, and Dre Greenlaw, the linebacker uh, from Arkansas. And those two guys are, have been playmakers for the 49ers and have really you know, pushed them to where they're, they're going now in Miami. I was going to ask you
0: about that, because Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers coached in the Senior Bowl last year. Would you ever have imagined that they would have gone from coaching in Mobile and last year's Senior Bowl to coaching in this year's Super Bowl, Miami.
2: No, it's, it's it's amazing. It really is. It's an amazing turnaround. Again, I, I think that losing Jimmy Garoppolo early last year um, that that's really why their record was what it was in 2018. They they didn't have a bad roster. They just they were playing uh, some young quarterbacks that didn't have a lot of experience. And and as everyone knows, that it's hard to win games in that league if you don't have uh, you know really proven quality quarterback play. So getting Jimmy G back and. Uh, you know, adding guys like guys like Dre Greenlaw and, and, and Debo Samuel, you had two playmakers, you know, one on each side of the ball as rookies and then bringing some other guys in in free agency. They've had an unbelievable year. So would I have thought they could turn it all the way around to go from the Senior Bowl to the Super Bowl. I would I'd be lying if I said that. But I knew they would make a big jump. Just just getting Jimmy G back.
0: Did you have any idea when they left the Senior Bowl last year that Debo, Samuel, and Dre Greenlaw will be guys that they would be zero in on for the draft?
2: You do. You get a feel for which which guys. And, again, it's just having conversations, you know, with, with John Lynch and Adam Peters and guys that I know on that staff um, and who they liked. I actually ran into uh, Wes Welker later on in the offseason, and he, he shared with me how much he loved Debo Samuel. So when they took him, when they took Debo at the top of the second round, I I said, well, West got his guy because um, he was gushing about Debo when when I saw him. in I think it was in March I saw ran into West. So, yeah, no, they you you do you get a feel for that over the course of the week, which which guys these teams are zeroing in on.
0: Yeah, and for those who don't know, Wes Welker is now the 49ers wide receivers coach. Now, Jim, I'll tell you an interesting thing is, I think going into the draft last year, the 49ers really liked Nikhil Harry and they really liked Debo Samuel. And the Patriots made it nice and easy on the 49ers when they took Nikhil Harry right before the 49ers wound up taking Debo Samuel near the top of the second round. That was the plan really going in. I think the 49ers were hoping that one of those two wide receivers would be there, and one was. But I don't know that that would have been the one they would, initially would have wanted, but Debo's been unbelievable.
2: Yeah, he, he has been unbelievable. And, and Debo's a great example of a guy that came down here with the right mindset. Uh, you know, he, he battled some injuries there at South Carolina, and I didn't know exactly what Debo we were going to get here in, in uh, Mobile. I knew he was extremely talented. He, he was one of my favorite guys last year because when he was healthy, he could make plays with the ball in his hands. He had some running back qualities when he had the ball, extremely tough, extremely physical. Um, but you could see it in his eyes when he showed up. He really did. I mean, he was locked in all week and, and approached the week the right way and uh, approach the process the right way. Now you can see that's a really hard position to transition. Wide receiver is one of the most difficult positions to transition. So for Devo to come in right away, I mean, you can tell he hit the ground running uh, because of his approach, because he's been a pro.
0: For those who don't know, you have an, a background in NFL scouting. I think you uh, were scouting the NFL for about 18 years uh, six Super Bowl teams, four Super Bowl winning teams, the Packers, the Patriots, twice uh, the Seahawks before you became the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. With your experience in scouting, who is a Jim Nagy kind of guy this week that you would look at even before the week begins, Jim, and you say this is a Jim Nagy kind of player?
2: Oh, that's a, that's a really good question. I mean, there, there's a lot of these guys. That's been the fun part, Adam, with this job, really. So I I worked in the league for 18 years, but never got to pick a player, uh, and now I get to pick about 115 of them. So it's a it's a lot of fun, and all these guys mean so much to me because they, you know, they choose to come down here and compete. Um, but I, you know, I, I really, as a scout, all, all every scout will tell you, you know, when you're picking at the top of the draft, I mean, sometimes, sometimes nowadays. Your team's going to have seven or eight sets of eyeballs on those players between coordinators and head coach and position coach and college director. So those guys all get really looked at. To me, it's more of the you know the mid mid round to late round guys that, as a scout, you really you really need to go to bat for those guys and have conviction about and you know so you can let your Your general manager know, you know, this, this is our guy. You know, we might not have had the amount of eyeballs on him, but this is, this is a guy for our program. And a lot of times that's the smaller, smaller school players. So one guy in this game that, that really popped for me over the summer and he didn't disappoint in the fall once we saw him play live was, was a tight end at Dayton named Adam Troutman. And uh, Adam was a guy that was, he went to a a non-scholarship FCS school, uh, Dayton and he went there as a quarterback and he just kept getting bigger and they transitioned him to tight end. You know, now he's a 6 foot 5, 250 some pound uh 50 pound guy that, that can run really crisp routes, he makes really athletic plays on the ball and he can run after the catch. So, um you know, he he was a really good blocker at that level. He, yeah. It's probably going to be a little bit of a learning curve for him against, you know, bigger stronger guys. That'll be that'll be the telling thing during this week for Adam how he holds up on the line of scrimmage, but You know, he's so good in the passing game, and that's where the league's going to. Everyone's looking for that guy. And when our scout went through there this fall, I didn't see Adam play live myself, but our Midwest scout, Brian Adams, went to see him play. And uh, he texted me. He said, Jim, I'm leaving this game. I'm heading to Columbus. Troutman just scored his fourth touchdown in the first half. So um, he double-dipped that day. And and I think Adam Troutman is a guy coming out of this game, again, probably right now, you know, third, fourth round type of player. Um, but if, if, if I'm a, if I'm an area scout, uh, up there in the Midwest and I went through Dayton, um, he would be a guy that I'd really be pounding the table for.
0: And one personal question before I let you go, I mentioned the 18 years as an NFL scouting veteran, but you were actually living in Mobile, Alabama before you took this job as the executive director of the Reese's senior bowl. How has that been for you? Where your home and mobile now becomes your office and mobile, and all your worlds kind of blend together in one nice, neat, orderly package.
2: Yeah, Adam, I was so I'm so blessed with this job came open. So, you said, this is my wife's hometown. We've been down here for 12 years, and this job came open, and you know it was great working for the Seahawks. John Schneider is a, a, a an old friend of mine, uh, one of my favorite people. So that was an easy phone call to make. I just called John and I said. Uh, you know, John, this job came open. I'd really like to go for it. I might not, I might not be their guy, but I, I, I would at least like to go for it. And he, he, he said, absolutely. Who do I need to call? And and Adam, it was really a family decision. Uh, you know, I, I don't think people give it a lot of thought. But but the scouting profession, everyone thinks of those jobs are are such great jobs working in the NFL, and they are. And, and you know, all jobs in football are great jobs. You have a great job, but um you know our jobs take us away from our families a lot as as yours does with all your travel and uh being on the road 200 nights a year for for 18 years as a scout you miss out on a lot so this was a really this job at the recent senior bowl is an opportunity for me to continue to do what i love to do and that's evaluate players and, and uh and, stu- and and then be home around my family more and, and my my kids are getting older and you know, be involved in their lives. So, it was, uh, again, I feel, I feel uh, very humbling, but feel very blessed, and it's uh, it's been a great couple of years here at the game.
0: Well, Jim, lots of luck with the Senior Bowl, the Reese's Senior Bowl this week. I appreciate you taking some time today, and your insights into the draft are really unmatched. And thank you for sharing them with the listeners this podcast
2: today. Adam, can't thank you enough for having me on, and hopefully, you'll be seeing you shortly uh, after our game.
0: And there is one of the busiest men in America this week, Reese's Senior Bowl Executive Director, Jim Nagy. Thank you to him, and thank you to the president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, David Baker, a great man who's done a tremendous job with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And thank you, listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week from Miami for coverage of Super Bowl 54 when we get ready to watch the Kansas City Chiefs play the San Francisco 49ers. Until then... Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for listening.